Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Page Dispute edition of the Yatkin County Public Library podcast, where each month we'll be discussing a book that has been turned into a movie or TV series, as well as the reception of each. As you may or may not know, May is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. This month is set aside to recognize the contributions and influence of Asian Americans and Pacific Islander Americans to the history, culture, and achievements of the United States. To honor Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, our page to screen episode this week will focus on a very well-known Asian American author and his to-date most popular novel. Kevin Kwan was born and raised in Singapore into an established Chinese Singaporean family. Without going too deep into the history of his family, his grandfather was actually knighted for his philanthropic efforts by Queen Elizabeth II, and his great-grandfather was a founding director of Singapore's oldest bank, so it's safe to say that his family had deep roots in Singapore. While growing up there, he lived with his paternal grandparents, but at the age of 11, his parents moved the family to Clear Lake, Texas. Quan graduated early from high school at the age of 16 and went on to attend the University of Clear Lake, where he received a BA in Media Studies. Juan edited I Was Cuba, which features photographs collected by Ramiro A. Fernandez, and also co-authored the book Look, The Essential Guide with Deborah Aronson, which was published in 2008. But in 2009, he, began, he became inspired to write the novel we're going to talk about today, the first in a trilogy and arguably the work that put him on the map, per se. Juan became motivated to write the book while caring for his father, who was dying of cancer. While driving to and from medical appointments, Quan and his father would reminisce about their life in Singapore, and Quan began writing stories to capture those memories. The second chapter of the book also actually developed from a poem that he had written years before that was entitled Singapore Bible Study. Quan wrote the poem for a creative writing course in college, and in the process of turning that scene into a chapter of a novel, he was compelled to complete the entire story. To date, Quan has written four books, and in 2014, he was named as one of the five Writers to Watch on the list of Hollywood's most powerful authors published by The Hollywood Reporter. In 2018, Quan made Time Magazine's list of 100 most influential people and was inducted into the Asian Hall of Fame. So without further ado, you may have already guessed it, but the book we'll be discussing today is Crazy Rich Asians, Quan's debut novel that was published in 2013. The novel was described as Vanity Fair, as by Vanity Fair, as a sprawling, multi-general, multi-generational mock epic that centers on a clan of Singaporeans whose various factions gather from their respective lairs around the globe for a wedding that is the year's most talked about event among the international Chinese aristocracy. And I would say that sums the book up pretty accurately. Crazy Rich Asians has been an international best-selling novel and has been translated into more than 30 languages. Its sequel, China Rich Girlfriend, was released in 2015, and Rich People Problems, the final book in the trilogy, followed in 2017. For several weeks in 2018, the Crazy Rich Asians trilogy actually commanded the top three positions of the New York Times bestseller list. This was an almost unprecedented occurrence. This book is written mostly in the third person with an omniscient narrator. Each chapter brings a shift in perspective, and occasionally there are shifts within some chapters. The novel mainly focuses on Rachel Chu, Nick Young, Eleanor Young, Astrid Leong, and Edison Chang. Rachel and Nick are both professors at NYU, she of economics, and he of history. At the beginning of the book, Nick convinces Rachel to accompany him to Singapore for the summer as he is the best man for his friend Colin Koo's wedding. Rachel, who knows absolutely nothing of Nick's family because he hasn't really shared anything about them to her, envisions a low-key summer vacation where she'll visit Nick's humble family home, 
go on long drives to explore the island and just spend quality time with a man that she could possibly one day marry. What she gets is anything but that. Nick's family is more like to a palace. His family is old money, so old and so guarded that Rachel's former college roommate, Pick Lynn, who actually lives in Singapore, has never even heard of the young family. As it turns out, Nick is one of the most eligible bachelors and the heir to one of the most massive family fortunes in Asia. So, of course, when he brings Rachel home to meet his family and to attend the wedding, which also turns out to be the biggest social event of the year, she might as well have a target on her back. Upon arriving in Nick's home country, Rachel meets Astrid, his cousin, who is the it girl of Singapore society, Edison, or Eddie as he goes by, another cousin whose family basically lives in the pages of the Hong Kong socialite magazines, and Eleanor Young, Nick's formidable mother, a woman who has very strong feelings about who her son should and should not marry. And if you can't tell by that last statement, Eleanor is no fan of Rachel's, mostly due to Rachel's humble background as an American-born Chinese, so she's never really going to fit in in the Singapore society from a single mother family. The entirety of the novel follows Eleanor's main goal of driving the perceived gold digger away from her only son. She even goes so far as to hire a private investigator and completes background checks on Rachel and her family. <laughs> this book is addictive, dramatic, and ridiculous, and honestly, I am here for it. <laughs> A word of warning, there is a large cast of characters to keep up with, but I'm a Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings fan, so that really wasn't a deal breaker for me. Um, the book fo mainly follows Rachel and Nick's conflict with his family, but there are also quite a few other subplots about what these ridiculously rich people get up to. It's almost like the Asian version of all those 80s soap operas like Dallas, Dynasty, or even Days of Our Lives. So if soap operas and drama are your jam, then I think this 576-page comedy would be right up your alley. I thoroughly enjoyed the book and would recommend it to anyone looking for a lighthearted, albeit a little long, read. We do not currently own this book at Yakin County Public Library, but we can always place a hold for any NC Cardinal library card holder. So, we already know the book was a success, but how about the subsequent movie that followed? The film was announced in August 2013 after the rights to the book were pu purchased by Hunger Games producer Nina Jacobson and was directed by John M. Chu from a screenplay written by Peter Chiarelli and Adele Lim that was based on the book, but the author, Kevin Kwan, actually served as executive producer on the film, as was one of his conditions to selling the rights. Filming took place from April to June of 2017 in parts of Singapore, Malaysia, and New York City and the film was released in the United States on August 15th, 2018. One of the unique things about this movie is that it is the first film by a major Hollywood studio to feature a majority cast of Asian descent in a modern setting since the Joy Luck Club back in 1993. The movie also features an all-star cast with Constance Wu, who actually received a Golden Globes Award no nominations for Best Actress in a Motion Picture Comedy or Musical for her portrayal as Rachel, Henry Golding as Nick, Gemma Chan as Astrid, the hilarious Aquafina as Rachel's roommate Pick Lynn, Greensboro, North Carolina native Ken Jong, who you may know from The Hangover, as Pick Lynn's father, comedian Jimmy O. Yang as Bernard Tai, who was a secondary character that was a friend of Colin and Nick's. He's not a main um, character in the story, but he does play a part. And also Michelle Yeoh as Eleanor, Nick's mother. And if you've seen Memoirs of a Geisha, you'll remember Yo as Mameha. 
And that's another book to movie conversation for another day. But needless to say, this cast was packed with talent. Crazy Rich Asians is certified fresh with a 91% tomato meter rating as well as a 76% audience score. The two-hour movie was a major critical and commercial success, grossing over $238 million on a budget of $30 million, making it the highest-grossing romantic comedy of the 2010s and received praise for the performances, screenplay, and production design. Along with the aforementioned nomination for Constance Wu, it also received four nominations at the 24th Critics' Choice Awards, winning one for Best Comedy and a Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by a Cast in a Motion Picture at the 25th Screen Actors Guild Awards. Two movie sequels based on the novel's follow-up um, books, China, Rich Girlfriend, and Rich People Problems, are reportedly in development, though I would dare say the COVID-19 pandemic has delayed that production. So as someone who watched the movie first in theaters, then bought it on DVD when it was released, and has subsequently worn out that same DVD while watching it over and over, I was prompted to read the book when I discovered that it was based on one. I mentioned in other reviews, but I feel like the lens that you view the book-to-movie adaptation is different depending on which of these you're exposed to first. So I saw the movie first, and I'm inclined to the blasphemous opinion that I enjoy the movie more, although the book is fantastic. Much like last month's Austin Land Review, Crazy Rich Asians is just one of those comforting rom-coms that follows a very formulaic approach to a neatly tied-up ending. The kind of movie you've seen a thousand times, but you still love. I would say that the movie was a fairly faithful adaptation of the novel, and I suspect most of that is due to the author's ability to be a part of the production. Without giving any blatant spoilers, I would just say that the biggest difference between the movie and the book is the part that Eleanor Young, Nick's mother, plays. In the book, she doesn't really meet Rachel until two-thirds of the way through, but in the movie, she and Rachel are at odds basically from the get-go, so you see that dynamic really play out. Also, the movie gives Eleanor a redemption that we just don't see in the book, or at least in the first one. I haven't read the second or third, so I couldn't speak for those plots. But overall, this book-to-movie screen adaptation was an experience I thoroughly enjoyed and would highly recommend to my listeners. If you haven't seen the movie yet and you would like to, we do own a copy at Yakin County Public Library. So if you're an NC Cardinal Library card holder, it is available for checkout. Or if you have an HBO Max subscription, it is available on that platform as well. If you're familiar with either of these, I would love to hear how you felt about the book or the movie or both. So feel free to follow us on social media, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest, we'd be happy to see you there. And if you haven't already, hit that follow button so you can follow this weekly podcast. Each week, Yakin County Public Library staff will be bringing you more topics, so be sure to check in every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you all next month for the next installment of Page to Screen. Happy Wednesday, everyone.